Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 53 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, not only do we have an amazing guest, we have an amazing giveaway. Yes, That's right. Ruby Warrington is in the house and she is talking all things sober curious. Ruby walks us through her journey and how the term sober curious came to be. From her high stress job to creating amazing alcohol free events and eventually writing a kick ass book, which you can win for free a signed copy from Ruby herself. Keep listening to the end of this episode for entry details. Who's ready to get sober curious? Let's go. I don't know about you, but I need a vacation. Seriously. You know, I was thinking the other day about all my vacations before Sober Jess, which I like to call BS Jess. And everything I did on vacation revolved around alcohol. How great would it be to go on a vacation when that is not an issue? To be with a group of sober people who are like-minded, a safe space, and you get to explore a beautiful place. Well, guess what? Your prayers have been answered and so have mine. Sober in Israel is starting November 30th to December 9th, and it is going to be an amazing trip. It's all-inclusive and includes meetings in the most exotic places in the world. Israel is safe, it is clean, it is absolutely beautiful, it is a spiritual mecca. This is truly the best way to travel sober and to stay sober. Be among like-minded, sober people just like yourself and enjoy a beautiful vacation. Because you know what? you deserve it. The journey starts November 30th to December 9th, so head over to SoberInIsrael.com and book your vacation now. Oh my gosh, Ruby Warrington. I am so stoked we have finally connected. 
We, I have been trying to get you on the podcast for, it feels like years, but it's been just months. <laughs> it's been months. It has. Thank you for being yeah. so persistent. <laughs> oh, I will not let you go get away, girl. <laughs> I am on it. Um, so, cause you've been just so busy. You have just been hitting the, like the bricks hard. You've been on major news networks and like, everything promoting this amazing book and you I mean let's be honest you've coined the term sober curious which is the biggest thing since like sliced bread <laughs> yeah it's been a it's been a busy year and I'm so mm. grateful for it. I'm just so like um amazed amazed and also grateful and also not actually that surprised that this has taken off in the way that it has the sober yeah. curious movement I'm kind of referring to yeah. the term sober curious has really taken on a life of its own now like I have a google alert for it and I get like six things a day coming through saying it's been mentioned in various news outlets not all about my book by any means but just that term yeah. has really kind of like taken off like wildfire and what it tells me is that my intuition that there was a huge segment of the population who were ready to have this conversation about alcohol but who hadn't even considered it before or were maybe too shy to mention it or were feeling kind mm. of nervous about talking about it were actually so so ready to begin to yeah get curious about what it means to live without alcohol yeah absolutely why do you think that is like why now it's interesting I mean I think there are multiple different factors playing into it um, you know, social media is a huge one. Let's start there. I think the fact oh, we have so much access now to different voices and to different platforms versus the kind of like mainstream media and mainstream advertising, which until now is literally how we've been getting all of our information about alcohol, whether mm -hmm. it's been, you know, studies, I'm sure that are paid for by the booze industry that come out intermittently that tell us red wine is good for us. Although I did a, did a radio interview yesterday with an addiction expert and she was like, you know, you would have to drink four bottles of red wine to get the amount of reverse troll that's actually beneficial to your heart before it started to have any benefits. Oh my God. Yeah, that one out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> whether it's those, those kinds of messages, whether it's, you know, um, images of kind of glamorous celebrities partying and drinking champagne or whether it's been, you know, billion dollar advertising campaigns convincing us and reminding us that we need alcohol to be a sexy, confident attractive social human being we're actually now getting so empowered because of social media to do our own investigations around that and to actually listen to different voices and discover different truths about alcohol that resonate with us as individuals so i think that's one big yeah. reason but also but then again on the flip side of that the fact that people can meet like-minded groups can interact with like-minded people outside of their own communities outside of their families outside of their schools outside of their workplaces who have different interests like the barrier to entry in terms of meeting like-minded people is much lower and i think for a lot of us who've used alcohol as a way to fit into social groups that didn't necessarily fit for us um we don't need to do that anymore we can actually go out there and find communities online and hopefully those online connections often lead to real life in-person connections too. Um, and it takes away some of that social anxiety of like, are these my people, you know? So I think that's like right. one big thing that's really kind of responsible for it blowing up in this way. And I think also we can just look at, you know, my book very much positions this as a kind of an extension and a, a natural and logical progression of the conversation that we've been having about wellness for the past decade or so. 
so many people are embracing healthier lifestyle practices, whether it's yoga and meditation, whether they're looking at their diet and how that impacts not only their physical body, but also their mood and the way they feel about themselves. And um, once you start diving into that, you cannot ignore like the impact of alcohol on your well-being. And so I think for a lot of people are just ready to question alcohol as the next step in their kind of wellness journey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I never... I I never thought about the social media aspect as in like finding different tribes. Mm. Um, that's a really, really great point. It, it kind of, I feel like social media kind of gets you unstuck in a way, like out of your current mm. environment and kind of broadens your horizons. And it yeah, can like, do. Yeah. It's like with anything, like it can do when we use it consciously <laughs> yes. or it can be just yes. another distraction and just something else to keep us in kind of negative or disempowering patterns of comparison or, you know, or kind of like consuming and craving in a way. So when we use it consciously, yes, it can be. Yes, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like anything, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to ask you how I want to know your backstory. How do you how you got to sober curious today? Um, can you take us back old school? I can take you back and it kind of piggybacks off what I was saying about social media and our, our social groups, I suppose. Like I okay. really didn't start drinking heavily until after college. I know for a lot of people, college is a kind of entry point into what I call our dominant drinking culture, meaning college is when you really learn not just intellectually but in terms of how you're interacting with people that alcohol is what we use to you know to socialize to fit in to feel confident mm. to date to have sex like all of those things I didn't actually start drinking heavily or consistently until after college I was actually teetotal all through college and it's interesting that's it, it, not necessarily because I was being super healthy by no means I actually had an eating disorder and I was a heavy weed smoker. I was in a relationship with a guy who actually was a weed dealer. And so he just smoked from kind of noon till night and basically banned me from drinking alcohol. So when I say I didn't drink all the oh, wow. way through college, it's not because I was like on some health kick and really kind of like feeling it. Yeah. Although, you know what? It's kind of interesting. I graduated at the top of my class despite all those issues. <laughs> and I do think wow. that has something to do with the fact that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't part of that kind of heavy drinking college culture. I was really focused on my creativity and it was a real outlet for me to actually find some self-confidence in what had been a very difficult period of my life mm -hmm. um so I came out of college and I went into magazine journalism straight off the bat and that coincided with me leaving this relationship finally getting the courage because I did so well in my degree and I could see that my career was kind of there waiting for me and this relationship I was in was really going to hold me back so the, mm -hmm. those two things combined with me discovering alcohol and how much freedom it seemed to give me and how much confidence it seemed to give me and how it helped me to fit in with what in the UK, the media scene, the magazine industry is very boozy. Like every night of the week, there's a product launch where they're giving you free alcohol. It's very right. much, it was this era in time as well, the kind of late 90s, early 2000s in the UK, the sort of feminist icons of the day were a tribe known as the Ladettes. <laughs> and it's kind of like, they were kind of okay. like, like, you know, loud, mouthy, hard drinking, 
um, sexually liberated women who were basically kind of like drinking and having sex like men. And so that was oh. my kind of, you know, we were drinking pints of lager. You wouldn't drink a glass of wine. You'd have to go to the pub and you drink three pints just like your, the guys, you know? So these oh, were my, okay. in the meantime, these were kind of like my <laughs> feminist icons. So it makes so much sense that I really fell into a heavy drinking culture. And I had a great right. time. I loved it. And I made some brilliant friends during that time. However, looking back, I can see that I was only, the only part of my personality was allowed to shine through. Only part of my personality was being celebrated mm. in a lot of those situations and a lot of those friendship groups. And I was repressing many parts of myself, which are integral to who I am and are actually, you know, the true seat of my um, self-awareness, of my creativity, of my um, my gifts in a way. <laughs> And so, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I continued to drink heavily throughout my 20s and into my middle 30s. And it was about around age 35, 36, which is quite typical, actually. And I wonder, and I haven't done too much research in this. I wonder if there's something hormonal. There are a few astrological things, if you want to go there, that we could also talk about. Oh, kind of yes. With that kind of age. Tell me about it. Later 30s into early 40s okay. being an age when we really start questioning things. Um, but it was around yeah. that time that I did start questioning or what I call getting sober curious, my relationship to alcohol and whether I, how I was using it, why I was using it, what the wider impact might be. Like I definitely, mm. I, it wasn't, looking back, it, prob it possibly was alcoholic drinking, but at the same time, it was drinking exactly the same as everybody else I knew, if not less than you know but I wasn't drinking every day I never drank in the morning like I never I would often take long periods without drinking at all if I needed to focus on something at work it didn't seem like it wasn't problematic in that sense um but okay. my hangover, my hangovers were getting kind of steadily worse I was experiencing as my as I kind of progressed in my career and I got more responsibilities career-wise the, the way I was drinking was having a really negative impact on my confidence and my capacity for um, showing up, I suppose, and my productivity. Um, it still okay. killed in my career, but half the time I was completely strung out and completely stressed <laughs> and just oh, very anxious. Yeah. So it was around that time I, I got sober curious, but it was a very personal and private um, internal questioning and internal journey for quite a long time. When I moved, it was when I moved to New York in 2012 that it kicked more into high gear. Um, it was mm. largely, it was that time that I kind of left my career behind, left all those connections behind and actually was given a bit of a clean slate and a fresh start to kind of, okay, who yeah. am I? And it was very destabilizing. And actually at that period, my drinking did escalate for a few months okay. before I kind of like really decided that I was going to properly pull back and like really investigate what life would be like without alcohol so that that year 2012 was a turning point for me for sure so I guess seven years ago mm -hmm. um, and largely you know, wow. the other the other thing that was playing into that is when I it was when I moved to New York that I launched my online platform the numinous which yeah. was which I I'd, um, I'd kind of imagined and then proceeded to launch as a, a mystical Sort of wellness platform that presented everything mystical or new age in for what I call okay. the now now age. So it really my mission with the numinous was to really update everything like astrology, tarot, shamanism, alternative ideas about healing, 
Um, and this is bear in mind was seven years ago before, way before there were kind of like a gazillion astrology meme accounts and, <laughs> you know, all these yeah. different astrology apps that we've seen launching in the past year or two. Um, so, at, you know, working on that website, working on creating that platform, and I threw myself into all of these different practices. And it was actually, I look back now and I realized I was creating the perfect kind of spiritual sobriety toolkit without even realizing it. Um, but by bringing Whoa. these practices into my life, not only was I finding so many other ways to socialize, connecting with so many different groups who really did allow me to be my full self, um, right. not only allowed me to, but enabled me to kind of like investigate parts of myself that I had been in denial or parts of myself I had been repressing in order to fit in with the scene I was part of in London. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was also doing a ton of healing, like, my kind of, you know, my, my magazine freebies used to be free beauty products and like free clothes and things like that. And then when I moved to New York, it became like free healing sessions, <laughs> free gong bars and oh, free wow. classes. And so I was getting all this amazing emotional, spiritual healing, which was actually helping me to address without me even realizing that's what was happening. A lot of the more deep seated reasons that I have been drinking, a lot of the more deep seated reasons for my insecurities. I went, I was asked to go back when I say asked, I mean, intuitively and just through the healing process, asked to go back and really look at what happened in that relationship I described earlier. Like, why was I with someone for six years who, who, you know, completely um, took over my entire life and imposed all these rules on me about who I was and what I was allowed to be and essentially kept me in a kind of prison of my own making for like the majority of my teens and into my early 20s. So I had to look at all that stuff, you know, which is, for anyone who's anyway further further along on their sobriety path will know that that's the kind of stuff that comes up. That's what we have to confront and look at when we when we remove that substance. So I was kind of doing all of this. And then the, the side product, the byproduct of this path that I found myself on was my, my sober curiosity kind of ramped up to high gear because I was really like, wow, alcohol makes me feel really terrible. Oh, wow, I can really notice I feel like right. drinking and I'm feeling unconfident. Oh, wow, I can really, I just started putting all these connections together. And then again, like, I never had people often say to me, how long have you been sober? And I'm like, well, I don't really have the day count because I didn't do it that way. It's just been a gradual kind of undoing and a gradual walking away from it to the point that I no longer now drink, you know, but. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. So right. yeah, so that's kind of like, that brings me up to where we are, I guess, in a way. The book, um, the book is my second book. I had a book out mm-hmm. in 2017, which tells the whole story of that kind of spiritual awakening and healing path. It's called Material Girl, Mystical World. And the last chapter mm-hmm. in that book was all about my trip to Burning Man in 2014, which was when these two di- two different rubies kind of like com- confront were forced to confront each other on the player at Burning Man. <laughs> so it was like kind of old yeah. party girl Ruby who was just 
you know, hell-bent on having a hedonistic kind of festival week. And then there was new kind of numinous Ruby who was like, no, that's not what we need. And that is not how we get high. And that's not how we achieve bliss yeah. and transcendence, you know. That was a very painful yeah. experience for me, but ultimately it was quite a turning point. And it was after that really that I um, started to speak more openly about the path I'd been on. And I just, when I say that, I mean, just speaking to people in my family, speaking to close friends about the fact I no longer wanted to drink. And after another year or so, it was early 2016, I started my Club Soda NYC event series because what I realized from starting those conversations with people was that actually so many more people than would ever probably find their way to AA or even think about their drinking as alcoholic or problematic. We're actually asking those yeah. um, questions, you know, how does this really make me feel? Why am I drinking alcohol? And so, yeah, so Club Soda NYC began yeah. in 2016 and um, the book, I pitched the book 2018 around this time, summer, like end of summer 2018, wrote it last, no, end of summer 2017. <laughs> wrote it last year okay. and then yeah it came out at the beginning of this year so that's it in a nutshell <laughs> Holy my drinking cow. history in 15 minutes or less <laughs> <laughs> wow I mean that's action-packed <laughs> like holy cow do you think okay when I was listening to that story like it sounded like one of the pivotal moments of or kind of liberating moments when, was when you moved out of London yeah. and you moved to New York. Yeah, definitely. Well, Do you I agree guess, with that? I guess um, it was a massive, it was a shift that kind of like, it changed my work life, it changed my family life, it changed my relationship mm -hmm. with my husband. All of a sudden we're kind of like, we had had fairly separate social lives up until that point and now we were each other's kind of like best buddy again, which was great. Um, right. it changed yeah. the way I was thinking about the kind of work I wanted to put out into the world because I started creating the Numinous. So yeah, it was a big, it was a, a, definitely a big pivotal moment, you know? Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it, change is hard, but it sounds like you just flourished because of well, it. Like you just came home to yourself. Eventually. Because, you know, we, yeah. we resist change, right? <laughs> and our psyche and everything oh, yeah. in our being will try and keep things the way they are, even when it's change for the good, even when it's positive and it's expansive change. That still freaks our nervous system out. It's like, no, I'm fine here. Thank you. I want to stay here where I'm comfortable. And like I said, when I first moved to New York, I moved in February 2012. And I think that Christmas 2012, I probably had my longest, like most extensive drink drug binge like I think there was like a 10 day period when I pretty much drank and got pretty wasted every night and I was a bit like oh no and so that so it, my drinking actually escalated before okay. before it kind of um before it eased off leading up to that Christmas I'd been taking longer periods without alcohol at all so yeah mm -hmm. um it definitely looking back now seven years later I'm like yeah that was when everything changed that, that was when everything changed in the sense that I was really asked to look at who I am and what I'm here to mm. how I'm what I'm here to do in the world you know this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. a common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right 
but sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com ASGG. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how do you practice? Hmm, how do I say this? How do you practice your sober curiosity? Like, is it a daily thing? Do you like check in with, with yourself on the daily? What do you do? What little practices do you do to kind of keep you on this amazing path that you seem to be on and growing and expanding? Um, definitely not something I think about daily. Um, well, I guess, so I guess my ongoing and my daily practice is, is there's still this same kind of sober curious self-inquiry like why am I feeling this way why do I want to change the way I feel what's what are all the factors playing into how I feel like where am I looking to escape why is this making me uncomfortable but as the years have progressed that's Mm. less and less about alcohol like I rarely ever think about alcohol now largely because the people in my my social group and my circle now it's like it's complete opposite there's like very few people that I'm close to who are big drinkers now where it used to be that everyone I knew was a big drinker and that's been a very natural kind of evolution too there wasn't ever a big kind of like cull I have to get rid of all these people out of my life although I guess moving to New York was a sort yeah. of a natural there was a natural reshuffling around the people I was close to I've still maintained a lot of my friends friendships in London but when I go back to London or they come here we'll hang out we'll go for brunch or we'll just kind of hang out in the park we won't hit up bars together anymore I mean, it's been tested. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in New York, there's so much to do besides just going to a there bar. There is, although some people who are still in that bar culture would probably say the opposite. You know, if you think to, if you speak to someone who's still very yeah. much focused on kind of like you know very much part of the drinking culture, like that's what we do. And this is something I hear all the time: like, what do I do if I don't drink? <laughs> and it's only when you kind of like oh choose to kind of pull your head out of the yeah. that loop and you look around and you're like oh there's like a gazillion things I can do that don't involve alcohol but when you're in it it can feel very much the opposite you know New York is like London it's such yeah. a it's a very consumer culture like everything is focused around restaurants and bars and shopping and like you can't leave the for someone to feel like that you can't leave the apartment without spending a hundred dollars you know <laughs> just on like <laughs> what, what I don't know walking like, down what? the street um so that's so, so funny yeah so I guess you know what does my sober curiosity look like I'm very for I mean part of 
writing this book and means I have conversations like this all the time. So I'm just very actively kind of in create, like even by having a conversation like this, even by everything I post on Instagram, I'm literally creating a new reality for myself about alcohol all the time. Like the conversation in my head about alcohol now reflects all the conversations I've been having out in the world. And so just kind of created a Mm. paradigm for me about, it I guess I'm I'm more aware and one thing I try to um, be really conscious of is not being judgmental about other people's drinking choices even if I can see someone I love dearly using alcohol in a way that I might perceive to be problematic or I can see that they're holding themselves back or I can see that it's keeping them locked in some kind of pain cycle it's not I I try, try to remind myself it's not my place to to tell them to change or like to shove anything down their throat and just to really kind of remind them that I'm here for them if right. they need me, you know? So that's a part of it. Okay. Trying to consistently remind myself that this has been my experience and this is something I'm passionate about and something that's really worked for me, but that might not be the case for everybody. But not everybody needs to be so curious, you know? Like, yeah. Right. Okay. So how would you... I mean, I, I, I deal with that too, especially with my, my family, because mm-hmm. my two younger brothers are kind of on a interesting path. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. Um, how do you, how do you deal with it when you are so educated and you are so immersed in this kind of culture? How, how do you bite your tongue? Well, it's interesting just by just by being me, just by continuing to speak out about what I believe and about my experience and just trusting that if and when the time is right, people will mm. um they're either that either people are taking that on board and they're absorbing it and that's enough and that's mm. a good thing. And that at some point if it's if it's, yeah. if they need it, they'll follow through on some of that or they may ask me or they may want to ask to have a conversation with me about it. And that has happened multiple times, actually. It's very interesting. Like, you know, the people I'm, yeah. people I'm closest to, I have a best friend in London who I'm really close to, my husband, obviously, um, mm-hmm. my younger brother, um, my mom, you know, the, the people I'm like super close to, another best friend here in, in the US, a couple of, of kind of really close colleagues here, all now are sober curious if not sober sober you know it's like no all those close people and that's not been through me kind of telling them there's a big difference between telling them you right. have a problem you need to sort it out and I'm oh, yeah. actually and it feels really great you know and it's something they talk mm. about in AA as well right you know promote attraction not promotion and I think that can apply to the sober curious part mm-hmm. also When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. 
With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Yeah. It's like it's leading by example. Yeah. No one wants to be talked exactly to or like talked exactly. at. But it's interesting, like, like, you know, we can have a one one family member um sort of will say to me, you know, I drink two glasses of wine a night and I realize I'm addicted to that and I realize I can't not have it. And I also don't necessarily mm. think that's a huge problem. And we've kind of and all I can say is this same family member had to have an operation and was on pain meds and so took a few weeks off alcohol and was reporting how optimistic they felt, how how good it felt. And so all I can, and so I know, mm-hmm. I know that their life, I believe their life would be improved without those two glasses of wine a night. But I also know that there are certain life circumstances that are very painful and difficult for them. And so is is that worse mm. or any better or worse than you know taking another kind of medication or any better or worse being in depression or any better or worse than then i don't know potentially be- becoming suicidal like two glasses of wine a night it's it's not necessarily you know kind of weigh up your options you know and so yeah it's tricky and it's right. something to, to be just kind of like very conscious of and aware of and yeah and to, 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 mm-hmm. to keep letting them know that you're you're here if needed. That's very different for something. You know, yeah, if that definitely. same family member was drinking two bottles of wine a night, then I might think, okay, well, here is maybe a cause for an intervention. You know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I always go on how you mm-hmm. feel. You know, I it doesn't really matter on for for me. It doesn't matter the qual the quantity mm. of what you're drinking. It, it's how it makes you feel at the end of the mm. day. Like, do you feel like yeah. shit? That's yeah. it. If you do, cool. Let's change it, or let's let's find something else. Let's deal exactly. with it. With this particular um, person, but I again, know it's they like feel a sense of relief hard. from having that wine, and I don't believe they're having like huge negative. Im- right. and there's not huge negative side effect from that, so it's kind of like. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I mean, listen, we all have battles that we mm. need to kind of pick mm-hmm. and choose what what we're going to deal exactly. with. Today. Exactly. <laughs> and I think like labeling it becomes tricky. Don't you find? Like I feel like I, I feel like it's like almost like a box. I, I really find there's parallels between like labeling yourself as being mm. sober with like labeling yourself even as like sexual mm. orientation. It's like, you're kind of like fitting yourself into a box totally. almost. Yeah. Do you and find in fact, that? it's funny. It's interesting. You bring that up with regards sexuality, because when I was thinking, when I was thinking about like, how can I describe what this path is? Because it's not, ne- it's not sober. 
and I have, you know, so much respect and reverence for the whole, um, the, the tradition and the lineage of kind of, you know, sobriety in terms of as it relates to recovery. And so it's like, it's, I'm not so right. And I'm also not a quote unquote normal drinker. Mm. So where's this kind of like, where is this middle ground? What is this questioning mind? Like, where is this, where does the, how can I describe the, the potential for fluidity here? And I thought, I was thinking, what other, what other area yeah. in life do we experience that or allow that in people? And the term bi curious came up. I don't, is that something that in America, that's used in America, bi curious? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah. bisexual. Exactly. But, yeah. and I think maybe it's kind of like an older term because we have so much, so much different, updated, um, and more expansive terminology around sexuality now, which is fantastic. Yeah. But the term bi curious has been kind of like 80s, 90s term, I suppose, and it describes someone who was kind of curious about their sexuality and who was kind of experimenting. And so I thought, oh yeah, sober curious. Maybe it could be sober curious. So that's kind of where it came from. Oh. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there, it's, it's interesting how we just have this need mm. to label things. I don't know if it's like feel more comfortable with it or to feel like we belong to a certain group. I mean, we all, to a certain extent, want to belong somewhere. Totally. Right? And it also simplifies things. And for many people, having that black and white approach, just kind of like, mm. you know, decision, making decisions is one of it takes up so much energy it's why like all those kind of billionaire tech people they only have wear the same outfit ever so they have to lessen have you heard about that like yes. Zuckerberg wears the same thing every yes. day because we can only like brilliant. make a certain number of decisions every day and it takes up so much energy and brain power so like lessening the decisions you have to make in a day yeah. is um helps productivity so I think that's one thing like someone I did an interview with someone recently and she was kind of like but why not just say you don't drink? Why go through all this like effort? Like, isn't it so much easier just to say I don't drink? And for me, I was like, well, you know what? It's actually worth it for me to put in that effort. It takes so much time to yeah. to truly know yourself. It takes so much time, inquiry, healing, so much investigation to truly know yourself. For me, it's worth it. For me, it's worth taking the time. It's worth being in that space of not knowing. It's worth being in that investigative kind of questioning mind while I get closer and closer to my truth than trying to fit myself into a box that doesn't mm. feel like it 100% fits me just because it's easier for me and for everybody else. When I, you know, I went to a couple of AA meetings, of course, yeah. on my path, like, why would you not? They're free and it helps so many people. And what I found in AA, and I know a lot of people feel mm -hmm. this, a lot of people who still go to AA feel this, what I found there was not a true reflection of my experience and it didn't feel like my people. It didn't feel, meaning, not like the people specifically, mm. but like the stories that people were sharing in the experiences. I was like, this isn't, this hasn't been my experience. And I know, like I said, that's the same for a lot of people. Um, and, but I could easily mm. have kind of kept in that box and been like, okay, I'm just going to do this because that, this type this simplified thing although my other response was <laughs> to the woman who said that I was like right. she's like why don't you just say you're not drinking why don't you just not drink I'm like for anybody like just not drinking like even like for people who have who are like completely abstinent who are doing the 12-step program like just not drinking it's never like as simple as like oh I'm just going to switch it off even if mm. you're a completely quote-unquote normal drinker yeah. even if you're someone who's just drinking maybe like I don't know, a couple of times a month, you might have a glass of wine with friends. It's never going to be as simple as, oh, just stop. That's just not how it works because of our culture, because of our conditioning, right. because of the way that alcohol is sold to us. Like, there's effort involved 
on each, whichever side, whichever path you choose, you know, and this path to me just feels like it's more of a reflection yeah. of who I am. I'm a naturally super curious, questioning person. I'm a journalist, you know. I've been asking questions for my entire career. My entire life has right. been about that. And so this suits, this works for me. It suits me. And, and yeah, having those labels, I think, can actually be one way that we do. Like I spoke, you know, began this conversation talking about how looking back, I can see all of the ways that I was repressed when I was being like girl about town, party mm. girl, journal, magazine journalist. There was so much of me that wasn't able to be expressed because I was labeling myself that, you know? And I think that the more we label ourselves yes. and the more we try and put ourselves into boxes, knowing that we are infinite beings of light, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in this kind of having this physical human experience, yeah. the more repressed we feel and therefore the more we are likely to act out and to find unhealthy expressions for those parts of us that we've been that we've been pushing out. So that's the kind of the other work I do. I host a lot of retreats where we go deep into the kind of the actual healing work around this and practices, writing being one of them, storytelling being one of them that can help us to uncover and support those parts of ourselves mm-hmm. that have been repressed, that haven't been allowed to be expressed. Um, and the sense of wholeness and the sense of freedom and confidence that can come with that is incredible. And so, yeah, I'm all for people people not wow. not finding the nearest box and, and out of fear or out of pressure from the outside, jumping into that. Like, find your, create your own labels for yourself. Like, create your own, create your own box that has, like, <laughs> you know, Sandable walls and yeah. like build on extensions and <laughs> you know don't don't feel like you have to conform. Oh, I love that. Yeah, Just celebrate yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Tell me a little bit more about yeah, these retreats, please. I kind of began a few years ago. There's an amazing healing space in Brooklyn called Maha Rose, and they and they opened an upstate center and invited um, myself and a couple of other numinous kind of contributors to host a retreat. And we just had we only we had like 13 women, and it was just some of the, it was one of the most transformational experiences I've ever had. Just to be in a space of actual real time human to human healing with people. And it went way beyond, like, we I don't, we didn't do any, like, mm. I think often when people think of retreats, they think, oh, you go do yoga, you go detox for a week, and you kind of maybe get, I don't know, a couple of lectures. We were doing, like, right. really kind of deep embodiment practice and deep vulnerable storytelling and just kind of things which actually really help us reconnect to our humanness and reconnect to all of those suppressed parts that I was talking about. And it was just amazing. And then the year after that, um, I was approached a woman from, who works at Kripalu, which is one of these big retreat centers in Massachusetts, um, heard me speak at Wanderlust Festival <clears throat> and asked if I'd be interested in leading stuff there. And yeah, I've been leading, I think I've led five retreats there now. Um, I, I, I lead them. I, well, I actually, wow. I did a sober curious retreat there in February this year, which I led with, led by myself. And I'll be repeating that in February next year. In fact, I, I'll give you the link for that so you can share it because that's, um, a great place to come and just like talk about all this stuff and do exercises around all this stuff in real time. Yeah. And I'm actually bringing my husband, my husband on to yes. kind of co-lead some of the sessions because I really want to invite and encourage as many men as possible to come be part of this sober curious movement as well. That's a, kind of a whole other conversation, but <laughs> it's typically quite a female space. 
which is awesome yeah. because we all need each other and we all need to be massively empowered and there's a big space for the men here as well um so I've also been lead I also lead mm-hmm. retreats with my colleague Alexandra Roxo total other side note we launched something called Moon Club together which is a global women's healing collective um a few years ago and so we've crafted this kind of program that we've now honed down to we we just know that over the course of our you know it's it's typically like three nights and three days program people come out the other side just mm-hmm. like so themselves and when I say that I mean so empowered so mm. confident so um at peace with themselves and those are those are the things that we need to cultivate oh, the reasons, you know the reasons we drink are to feel more those yeah things. So I'm really, I'm really, what I'm really interested yeah. in with my work now, particularly going forward, is like, how can I, how can I achieve and experience all the things I was using alcohol for? Like, how can I feel more confident naturally? How can I mm. feel high naturally? How can I feel connected to people naturally? How can I feel relaxation naturally, you know? And so my retreats are all about cultivating, right. giving people those practices, but actually giving people an experience of that. So I'm I'm hosting I think I think I'm lining up about four or five next year and we'll do a couple on the east coast um one on the west coast is going to be in October and we're going to do one in the UK as well. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you are just like a global movement. It's happening. I love it. <laughs> you know you the work you're doing That's you're amazing. such a massive part of it as well. So thank you for for being one of the what's been so cool is just seeing particularly on social media so many empowering voices coming out giving people permission to trust their own experience with alcohol rather than just going along with all of that conditioning that I was talking about yeah. and all of that external pressure to drink yeah absolutely I mean I think you know it's it's interesting what happens when we're vulnerable mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. share our story other people just feel comfortable and safe to mm-hmm. exactly. tap into theirs exactly that's what I call story medicine we see ourselves in others and we also see our uniqueness in others and we appreciate that each of us mm-hmm. sharing our uniqueness is what makes a truly kind of whole and connected world I love <laughs> that I love that Ruby um, where well I kind of you? my my next big project is like looking at my workaholism and tech addiction so in terms of online you can find me you can find me when I'm really in the mood Ooh. on Instagram at Ruby Warrington <laughs> when, I'm, when I really like got the energy and I really have something to say um but that's where I post most stuff um the newness yeah. is at the underscore numinous I'm on a bit of a break with it at the moment but I've got cultivating I've got some really exciting ideas um that I'm going to be bringing back there in the fall. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think, I guess, and, and I have a, a newsletter as well. There are links to sign up for my newsletter on um, the Ruby Warrington Instagram account. Lovely. The and the book, where can we get that? Amazon. <laughs> and you can find my other books there as well. Yeah. The world. If anyone curious about the, um, you know, that, that spiritual healing path that actually led me to getting sober curious and all of the tools and all of the, the beliefs that I was able to kind of unwind and rewrite for myself are all in that first book. And in fact, paperback editions are coming out of both my books. The paperback mm. of Material Girl, Mystical World is out in October and the paperback of Sober Curious is out December 31st. Um, so yeah, I also have something for, we didn't actually go there, but maybe another time. Um, 
I, ha- I created something called the Numinous Astro Deck, which teaches you how to read your own birth chart and use astrology as a tool for self-healing. So they're all they're all on Amazon and Ooh. it's probably the easiest place to find them. But, you know, hopefully your local bookstore may also have a copy. Oh, and one other thing, um, uh, there's an audio book of both my books. And I know lots of people like listening to audio books. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just right. love to put those on in the car and just right. like zen <laughs> out. That's awesome. Well, you are amazing. And thank you so, so much for sharing your story, your experiences, and your thank knowledge you with us. I really me. appreciate, I appreciate it. you offering your platform. How great is Ruby? Okay, so you've made it this far in the episode. We are at the end. We are wrapping it up. And this is the time where you can enter to win a copy, a signed copy of Ruby's book, Sober Curious. So here's what you got to do. Step one, screenshot this episode. Screenshot you listening to this episode either on iTunes or Spotify. Take a picture of it. Step two, upload it to Instagram. Post it on your stories or your feed and tag a sober girl's guide and Ruby Warrington. Step three, sit back and relax. We will be choosing a winner who has done the following two steps and we will be sailing, sending you out a signed copy of Sober Curious. As always, thank you so much for your love and support. Couldn't do this without you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us some feedback. We'd love to know what you're thinking about the podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and the blog. Don't forget about the blog, asobergirlsguide.com for some excellent articles, how-to, and sobriety tips. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.